welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And as always, we're grateful for the support of our sponsors at Owner's Box. AJ, before we get on to talk about sports, I have to get this out of the way, but I don't know if you heard about the uh, fact that Germany has a new chancellor. Is he a relative? Yes. Uh, I mean, probably a distant, a distant relative. Uh, not, not somebody that uh, I'm very familiar with. Uh, it is. So Scholes in general is not super common mm-hmm. or uncommon rather, but okay. the spelling is a little bit more unique. So yeah. Probably somewhere along the line, you know, 10, 15 generations back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking, man, you could be in line for a significant gift at Christmas time if you do a gift exchange. <laughs> Chris Kringle with this this fellow. Uh, we wish him well in his new role, of course, but I just had to ask you uh, for an on-air reaction to that. It just came to me. <laughs> That's a great idea, though. I should I should hit him up. I'll, I'll send him some, you know, Wisconsin cheese or whatever. He can send me some German beer. I, I like this idea, Paul. That's that's it, my friend. Always looking out for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, AJ, you know, it's, it's good that we can laugh because the news around the hockey and sports world and our, our world is still impacted by COVID. And now we have to address the fact that there have been a number of cancellations uh, of the NHL games in the last little couple of weeks and this week for instance Calgary is not going to play at all and uh, it's dominating the landscape in terms of looking forward to the possibility of an Olympic hockey tournament that features best on best I'm beginning to wonder about that possibility because in a press conference uh, with Connor McDavid he was advised that you know if if anybody contracts the virus while they're over there it could mean a stay of up to five weeks in total and that would play havoc with the impact on these guys returning to their NHL clubs. And I wonder if uh, NHL NHL clubs are a little more wary than they were about this Olympic participation with that little factor, as well as the uh, outbreak of of the the new variant uh, that everybody's well aware of. Your thoughts, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concern. I mean, I I saw, I I forget who, but somebody... Uh, well, Robin Leonard, a, a couple of weeks ago, when it was just like a three week suggestion, came out right away and said, nope, I'm not doing it. Like, you know, it's that would be terrible for my mental health to be stuck in a Chinese hotel for three weeks. Um, and I don't blame him for that. I saw somebody else just in the last day or two that kind of said the same thing. Like, if that doesn't change, like I, I got I got a wife and kids was was what this player said. And. So yeah, I'm not I'm not dealing with that. Um, I'm not going to be away from my my family for a month um, because of you know because of it. So I look. The, uh, I think ultimately what will probably will happen if they decide not to go or more. You know, they it sounds like they'll leave it up to the individual players. So we might see a few guys decide to go. Um, I would guess more likely than not, we're going to see guys that don't have families. Yeah. Um, you know, that are more willing to take that risk. And then I think they'll end up, especially for like a U.S. team, they might end up backfilling with um, with some AHL guys. So if you recall four years ago, the AHL players that were on NHL contracts couldn't go because there wasn't any agreement at all. Right. Um, at least this time, those AHL guys 
could be an option um, just because there is the agreement to go. So it'd be a slightly better U.S. team. Uh, same with Canada. You guys <laughs> wouldn't be nearly as good yeah. uh, as, as we could be. But, yeah, we'll see. How, it's going to be interesting to watch, um, see if that changes and, and go from there. Yeah, this story is going to percolate for the next couple of weeks. But the other side of it, AJ, I was talking with you off air, and the, the, the NHL has a three-week break baked in from the first uh, days of February through to about the third week, right around our birthday, uh, which is coincidentally on February 24th for both of us. And, uh, <laughs> send your cards and birthday presents early, folks. So you want to <laughs> but uh, AJ, seriously, they, the NHL might take a look at, at filling those three weeks with some of the games that have been canceled and possibly stage a, uh, all-star game of some sort to fill that gap. I could, I could anticipate because three weeks without hockey would be uh, sometimes something to deal with uh, here if the games don't take place uh, in China. So uh, a lot of possibilities, a lot of balls in the air still. So we'll just re- keep reporting on what the latest news is in that regard. But in the meantime, we have to relate a ton of news in, in terms of the rosters in the NHL being impacted by COVID and injuries and how the deck has been reshuffled in each of the 32 cities. So without further ado, I'd like to get into that and uh, review the ninth week in the NHL. But talking about the Anaheim Ducks partner, they went three and one last week and they're continuing to surprise me being in the top half of the NHL standings, easily so. And uh, they're doing it most recently without John Gibson in the Nets. He's day-to-day with a lower body injury. He missed most of the assignments last week. But Stolarz took his place, three game starts, two wins, and only three goals against. So they're doing it on the defensive side of the puck. We know the offense has been there. And Troy Terry continues to lead that parade with three more goals. Stunningly, he's still available in my Champions League uh, um, unless people pick up pick him up but in the next couple of days ahead of me, I'm looking to change that because this guy's proven that he's one of the best goal scorers in the league so far, and the sample size is large enough that I trust it, quite frankly. And they've got a couple of really good distributors of the puck at center ice there that he can work with on a regular basis. So I, I th- think it's very sustainable. And uh, Sam Steele is one of those players, too, that is good with the puck, and he had two assists as well to chip into the offense there. They've got two, the makings of two very solid scoring lines there, so much so that a guy who's perennially been on the top six here, uh, Jacob Silverberg, has been relegated to third line right wing. So that's a real new indicator of the depth uh, that the the Ducks have at the NHL level that uh, we haven't seen for a few years. Well, the news in Arizona is just uh, losing. Uh, Six straight for them. And, And really, you look at this last week, like, the goaltending has, has been pretty bad. Um, Scott Wedgwood, you know, I think we talked about this when he first ended up in Arizona. Like, this is not a guy that I would trust on an every-night basis uh, to be a starting goaltender. And that's showing. You look, his last two games, uh, an eight eight seven save percentage. Uh, and, th- and that's better than uh, Vimelka, who's at eight three uh, eight five three over his in his one game over the last week. So, it's really, you know, been pretty bad on that front to begin with. You add in the fact that the offense is equally inept, uh, 1.6 goals per game average uh, through the, the month of December here. So, you know, five games, uh, pretty, pretty low scoring. 
and not a lot of uh, defense to shake it out. So I would expect kind of the losing trends to continue in Arizona for a while. And in Boston, it was only a matter of time. Once they announced that Brad Marchand was in the COVID protocol, I thought, well, where he goes, Patrice Bergeron soon to follow. Those guys are inseparable off the ice as they are on. And sure enough, Patrice Bergeron is in similarly in the COVID protocol. And you know that that's going to play havoc with their scoring lines. They set up very differently now going forward with Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall moving up to that first line alongside David Pasternak. They fill in the second unit with Jake DeBrusque, who was in the, the subject of a lot of trade rumors and trade talk a couple of weeks ago. Now they're probably pretty glad that they retain him and can plug him into a scoring line situation here. Uh, he's quite capable of, of production in that space. And he'll be working with Jack Studnika, uh, a young center that they're hoping to groom for, for scoring line depth here behind Coyle. Uh, so they're the one-two punch at center, Coyle and Studnika. And Oscar Steen is a guy that they've brought up to play a handful of games so far this season. He has three points in four games, and he's plugged in as a second-line right winger. Notable for me that he jumps over Nick Felino in the pecking order. Felino, a veteran of the NHL, as we both know, and everybody who listens to the podcast is familiar with the Felino resume, but he's not enjoyed his time in Boston so far. He has four assists, no goals so far on his uh, register, re- registered so far for this season, way below the expectations that he had for himself and the Bruins had for him as well. So uh, missing two-thirds of their top line, surely going to play havoc with their offense for as long as they're out of the lineup. And they're really the only uh, big names that are out uh, of the lineup due to COVID. So they're going to be requested to to soldier on and continue to play their games without that big impact of those two guys. And in the net, Jeremy Swayman is out of commission. So the bulk of the load will fall to Linus Elmark. He has distanced himself uh, from from Buffalo and really enjoyed his time in Boston so far this year and playing very steadily. And uh, there was a sighting of Tuka Rask at practice in Boston this week too. So that buoyed the spirits of the players and uh, fans of the organization to think maybe Tuka's going to come back down the road. Something to look forward to. The Sabres are dealing with a lot of guys out of the lineup, but unlike uh, a handful of other teams in the league right now, they're actually – missing guys uh, for for injuries, um, and, it, and they're pretty banged up. Uh, Dustin Tokarski is kind of the one exception there. Uh, he's He is on, in the COVID protocols, was labeled week to week, but they just lost Robert Hag uh, with an undisclosed injury, and they are classifying him as month to month right now. Um, so pretty big blow there. But, again, other guys that are still out, uh, Drake Kajula, Casey Middlestad, Alex Tuck, is progressing, but still out of the lineup right now. So they're they're pretty thin. Um, I was a little surprised that they, uh, with Tokarski out, Craig Anderson still out, I was a little surprised they didn't give a look um, to Dallas's uh, netminder, who is just on waivers, whose, whose name is eluding me right now. But Anton Hudobin. Yep, Anton Hudobin. Thank you, Paul. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised that he didn't, uh, and maybe they did, maybe they kicked the tires on it, but right now they're going with Luke Conan and Malcolm Subban uh, as their duo. I, I wouldn't have a lot of faith in that personally. So yeah, I was surprised to see that. But in terms of the last week, you know, one, one, and one, uh, Darlene picked up a pair of goals, uh, Tage Thompson, two helpers. So they're, they're getting some production. I, I think for me, you know, this is a pick and choose your spots. Um, from both season long and DFS, uh, you know, if you got a couple of these guys, maybe in season long, look at the week ahead 
see who their matchups are. If they're playing, you know, easier teams, they might be able to do something. But against the top competition in the league, I, I would, you know, fade most of these guys. Well, in Carolina, they are reduced to a 16-man roster for their next game or two, owing to the impact of COVID, which has sidelined Sebastian Ajo, Stahl, and Svechnikov are the latest additions there, in addition to others that are on the sidelines. So that leaves Trocek and Kotkaniemi as your new one-two punch at center. Trocek, well cast in the scoring line center role, as I've talked many times before about his ability to distribute the puck, a very solid playmaker, but not now he's tasked with being the number one guy and will likely see lots of minutes on the power play as well. Martin Netzkatch will be his right wing on the top unit. Netzkatch has also been featured on the power play regularly in the past, but more minutes coming his way on the number one line. And Nino Niederreiter, who is enjoying his time in Carolina, having really made a bit of a breakthrough offensively. That's a nice-looking top line. And Preston Duduli on the second line are normal third liners, Jesper Fast and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. They'll be joining Toivo Teravainen, who's had lots of time in the top six there. So that's your two scoring lines. And then they have only four other forwards listed as very healthy and able to play tonight. It's the defense that's intact. Tony D'Angelo makes his return to that unit. So those six-pack that you expect night in, night out are there, with a possible exception of Ian Cole being replaced by Brendan Smith. But still, Smith is a veteran NHL player. And in the Nets, Freddie Anderson continued to to do Freddie Anderson things, AJ. I've told you that surprisingly, not a lot of people know this guy has the best winning percentage among any goalie in the history of hockey who's played at least 100 games. He's right there in the top five. And he continues to move up that ladder because last week he chalked up two more wins, allowed a total of two goals against. So uh, he's loving life in his new locale and probably facing a lot less media scrutiny. He's a guy that really shied away from media in Toronto. I think it impacted him a little bit when... uh, the going got tough at playoff time. I'm curious to see how he reacts down the road in Carolina when the serious shooting starts over there. Well, you touched on the COVID situation in, in Carolina, and it's it's certainly worse in Calgary right now. Um, they have, as of this morning, a total of 18 uh, players on, on the COVID list. So, you know, there's, there's five holdouts here still. Um, and Blake Coleman, Michael Backlund, Matthew Tuchuk, Michael Stone and Daniel Vladek. Look, honestly, at this point, I think it's probably only a matter of time. Um, you know, it's when you add in the support staff and, and coaches and stuff that are also in the protocol, they're, they're north of 30 people right now um, dealing with, with COVID there in, in Calgary. So hopefully everybody can, um, you know, get better soon. Uh, I would expect that, you know, right now Calgary is set to play on Tuesday I personally don't really expect that to be a game that they play. Um, They probably will push it back, and I would not be shocked to see Calgary not playing again until after Christmas. Yeah, I think that's a very safe bet, AJ. One guy that wishes they could play more frequently is uh, Marc-Andre Fleury in in Chicago. He's loving life there uh, of late, and he chalked up win number 500 last week. A visit to Montreal, no doubt, to chalk. Uh, to chalk up that victory added a lot of sweetness to the result, a shutout, in fact. So we're both very happy for him. I, too, am a fan of this guy, one of the nice guys in hockey by all accounts. He added two wins, uh, including that shutout last week, allowed only four goals against in the other game to pull off the second win. And uh, 
he's anchoring the the Hawks uh, rise in the in their division. They went two and one on the week. Jonathan Taves has, has had a hand in a bit of a resurgence resurgence there too. He struggled to find the net uh, earlier on, but added two goals last week along with one helper. And the partnership of Alex DeBrincat and Patrick Kane is something to see. I've watched a couple of their games last week. AJ and man, oh man, it's must see TV the way these guys look for each other and they really uh, DeBrincat really for a young guy has formed a really strong sense of, of awareness out there with Patrick Kane, realizing that all I got to do is get an op- find an opening and this magician will get me the puck, and they're doing it in style. And uh, they're not the only guys scoring, though. Uh, Hagel and Doc, two youngsters, they're combining for a total of five assists. On the downside, uh, Tyler Johnson recently had neck surgery, AJ, and this veteran will be lost to the team for at least three months. Uh, interesting experiment going on there uh, in the forward ranks. Dylan Strom has been moved up to the top center situa- situation between, uh, alongside some of the heavy hitters in the Hawks lineup. I've been waiting for this opportunity. He has three assists in his last four games played. Before that, struggling to score regularly. I wonder if it's a showcase opportunity or if it is really a look to see if he can fit into their top six here. For the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, another um, pretty uneven week, 1-1-1. One, one, and one. So just kind of hanging around. Um, they're in fourth right now in terms of the wild card in, in, the, uh, in the East. So they're behind Boston and Detroit for the, the second wild card spot here. So certainly um, they're, they're right there in it and uh, could be a factor here, you know, a lot of times when I'm looking at, you know, and maybe this is just me, but when I'm looking at my lineups, I don't really pay a ton of attention versus who's at home, who's away. Um, I know it's a factor, but it, it's not a significant one to me, except when I see kind of extreme trends like this. Columbus is 9-3-1 and one this season at home and 5-9-0 and oh on the road. So obviously, if you're thinking about, depending on their matchup, using one of the Columbus netminders, uh, you're definitely going to want to look, you know, at at the home or away factor here just to get a better idea because it's clearly impacting their team uh, a little bit more significantly, I, I think, than than some others. In terms of the netminder of record, it's been all Mers Lickens that this last week, uh, the save percentage nine oh seven, their goals against average two point nine two. Some offense coming from Dome. Three goals and one assist. Eric Robinson chipped in with three points as well. So really just another team where, like, pick and choose your spots. Like, just, in you know, sort of, you know, even keel week. Nobody doing anything too flashy, but nobody really struggling too poorly. Um, so, yeah, pick and choose your spots with this team moving forward. The Red Wings are a team that has an interesting look about them these days. They're, they've incorporated two youngsters on defense. We've spoken about Moritz Sider a lot this year and Philip Ronick for the last few years as two guys that will be anchoring this blue line for years. But I'm curious to see on the defensive side of the puck how they're handling things now that the, the Red Wings offense has dried up a little bit. And the plus minus for Moritz Sider on the year is zero. And Philip Ronick, minus four. I would say that's not too bad for two young defensemen. And they'll outscore those deficiencies with the points that they've accumulated already this year. So I think that's a win for their back end. And they also have to be pleased with Alex Nedeljkovic in goal. His goals against right around 2.7. And if you would have had last year's version of Thomas Bryce, Grice versus this year, you'd be even happier. But the fact is, Grice has kind of taken 
what Jimmy Howard did last year and make it his form chart for this season. He's really struggled. So it's Nedeljkovic's net right now to lose. And then up front, they have a very interesting top line. Dylan Larkin, for me, I can't say enough good things about this guy. He reminds me of a very young Steve Eisenman, AJ. That's high praise. And you know what he evolved into. But he is the guy that's tasked with bringing Lucas Raymond along. And he's done so in such a way that Raymond is probably the leading candidate for Rookie of the Year at the moment. And Tyler Bertuzzi, when he's allowed to play, has filled in on that that first line very well. Pius Sutter, uh, very good puck-moving center, has anchored that second scoring line. And Philip Zidin is starting to produce a little bit more. And we've talked about Vlad Nemestnikov. So I like the top six uh, forwards and the top four defensemen here, but uh, they have an issue with injuries on the right wing. And I'm curious to see what things are going to look like in new year when they can get Robbie Fabry and Jacob Brana back on the right side. They'll have even more depth, a nicer look. And then Michael Rasmussen, a guy who's missing in the center ice position to anchor that third line. So I think the best is yet to come for the Detroit Red Wings. If they can just hang on a little while longer. Well, Paul was so enthused about the young players for Detroit that he just completely skipped over Colorado. So I'll circle us back there to talk about the abs with five straight wins here. Uh, Darcy Kemper between the Nets, three wins, seven goals allowed over that stretch. You know, injury concerns, obviously a factor here as well. They've got Gabriel Landeskog uh, out with a lower body injury. Bowen Byram's been out for a while with a head injury. And then Devin Taves uh, on the in the COVID protocol. So really, you know, a lot, you know, you look at this defense, it's usually um, been one that we talk very highly of. I would argue that they're missing, you know, maybe their their second line guys in, in Taves and Byram. Um, they do still have the the Johnson brothers. I put that in quotes. I don't think mm-hmm. they're actually brothers, but Eric Johnson and Jack Johnson will fill in as that second pairing. And of course, they still have Kel McCarr there. And the same goes with the offense. You know, they've got McKinnon and Rantanen. Um, it'll be Andre Burakovsky who kind of slides into that first line left wing role for the time being. And I think that sets him up well. It, it's obviously a good spot to be in. JT Comfer is back uh, with Nazem Kadri, and then Valeri Nanushkin gets the second line role as well. AJ, I'm sorry about that switch up. I'll take us to Dallas and then you can get us back on track with Edmonton. So the Stars are coming off four straight losses as they begin this week. Braden Holtby has kind of wrested control of the net, starting six of the last nine games in in there. But uh, this team is struggling to find some offense on a steady basis. They're continuing to juggle things up front. And uh, again, we can see that Ben and Sagan are together on a second line. And uh, the lucky guy who gets to play alongside them is a youngster who hasn't had much of a time in the NHL yet is Jacob Peterson. Could be uh, in line for some interesting minutes playing along these two guys if they can rekindle their magic. Uh, Troubling news from the rest of the lineup. Uh, Rupe Hintz, who has been one of their steadiest scorers, missed the last two games with an illness. And it's uncertain about uh, guessing when his return might happen. And the uh, news that was, uh, quite frankly, I expected from the beginning of the season, Ryan Bishop, a uh, goalie who was uh, a stalwart for this club for a time, hasn't played at all this season and, and had been dealing with injuries the last couple of seasons, in fact, finally decided to hang him up. He had a pretty good career when you consider the time that he put together in the NHL, but uh, things really not working out. And uh, at the beginning of the season, when they signed Braden Holby, I thought, what the heck did they do that for? But now he's their go-to guy as uh, they put Anton Kudobin on uh, on waivers. And so 
a new look here in, in Dallas in the goaltending mix. Jake Ottinger is the guy that partners with him there. Well, something is broken in Edmonton. I'm, I'm not sure what that is, but six straight losses. Um, December has not been kind to them. They have just one win, those six losses that you mentioned or that I mentioned. But the probably bigger concern is during this losing streak, they've got four games in which they scored one goal. I mean, this we're talking about a team that is just offensively stacked. And for whatever reason, they just can't seem to find it. You look at the numbers in the month of December, they have the third fewest goals per game at two. That's uh, only surpassed in uh, terribleness by the Arizona Coyotes and the Montreal Canadiens. If you go back to uh, November, they were scoring the third most goals at 3.7, uh, 3.62. So obviously something is off here and they need to figure it out sooner rather than later. Leon Dreisaitl did get two goals over the last week. Connor McDavid had uh, two assists, Tyson Berry with three assists. Um, but this is just not, there's no, like the high level production has really fallen apart here. Um, and, and it's just not, you know, not coming for them. I would also, you know, point out that their power play this month as well has been converting at just 13%. Again, that was a very strong, um, it was the best in the league during November at 31.6%. So that could be the biggest factor here. Um, I haven't delved into the numbers about penalties per game, if they're getting more or less opportunities here, but they're certainly not converting the chances that they're getting at, at anywhere near the rate they were. Yeah, they're kind of trying to play Duncan Keith a lot more than I think he's able to at the age 38. And that's large part to the, due to the fact that Tyson Berry is just MIA when it comes to the defensive side of the puck. We know how a great puck mover he is and how good he can be on a power play. But even that's lagging, as you mentioned, only 16 points on the year for him and a minus five. Those are not good numbers for a guy they're paying a lot of money to. And it's indicative of the problem that they do have. they got to sort out their defensive structure there. In Florida, they don't have an issue with the defensive structure, but they did have a one and two week, AJ. Uh, Reinhardt led the scoring with four points. Verhage with two assists before he fell into the COVID protocol. Jonas Johansson, this was an interesting move, claiming him, claiming him off waivers from Colorado. I wonder if it's a signal that they might like to put Spencer Knight down in the AHL for a little bit after an eight spot against Ottawa. His confidence looks shot to me. If if I read him the way I thought he looked in that game, I got caught a long look at it. Frankie Vitrano will move up in a thin left wing situation there uh, to a scoring line role. This guy has been a secondary scorer of note, but now he's pressed into top line duty with the absences doing included to COVID and other injuries. Alexander Barkov came back apparently prematurely from uh, his, his stint on the first stint on the IRR. He's back there. So, uh, and then Bennett is also another guy in COVID protocol. So Anton Mundell moves all the way up to center number one position and Joe Thornton in the two hole. Yeah. Just to follow up with uh, some updates from, you know, from earlier today, as you mentioned, Bennett, uh, as, along with Ekblad and Montour are going to be, uh, Brandon Montour are going to be in the COVID protocols here for Florida. And then um, they did, in fact, send Spencer Knight down this morning to get him, uh, like you said, get him some more confidence in the minors. Uh, one team not lacking for confidence right now 
is the Los Angeles Kings. They uh, rode uh, Jonathan Quick this past week here to a successful 2-0-1 record that included a shutout performance by Quick. And and really, you know, looking at the year, I, I think uh, I'm certainly surprised. I thought uh, Cal Pedersen would have a bigger share of, of the workload. Um, they, they're getting him in. It's not like he's not playing games, but – um, they'll do it's they kind of do this like every other for a couple days mm-hmm. and then quick takes a few games then they go back to the other every other for a little bit and um, so they are still using Cal Pedersen but I, I really thought he had a chance to take over potentially as the number one here um, and obviously that has not been the case in fact in his last uh, five games Jonathan Quick is undefeated in regulation 3-0 and 2 is the record 1.75 is the goals against average. So really getting strong production out of him. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, the scoring guys, you've got Philip Deneau with a goal and two assists, Victor Arvidsson, two assists. Um, you know, it's interesting. These are guys that I'm sure their their former clubs would, would like to have them. Montreal could certainly use somebody who had three points um, in three games right now. Uh, Nashville has been uh, doing pretty well, but obviously you wouldn't turn away a guy like Victor Arvison, if, if they could have fit him in. So, uh, I, you know, things are definitely looking up for L.A. And, you know, maybe maybe they can make a push here at the, towards, the, you know, heading into the second, what, three-fourths of the season or maybe a fourth of the way done here. Right. In Minnesota, the Wild went one and two, but uh, they're getting a lot of offense from guys that are not noted for that. Jordan Greenway, four goals and two assists in his last seven games now at, at the first line left wing position. They got a trio of defensemen who chipped in with a pair of assists last week in Dumba, Goligoski, and Spurgeon. So, and I throw John Merrill into the mix, four guys. So they're getting a lot of production from the back end. And their signature offensive piece, uh, Kevin Fiala, he's had a bit of a subpar start to his year, but looks like he showed flashes of his old self with three points last week. Ryan Hartman and Marcus Foligno, though, they're combining with Greenway in the top six to, to have a, an outstanding run. Foligno, personally is tied his career best 13 goals already this early in the season and he's locked in at right wing on the top line there outplaying his older brother by a wide margin we spoke about Nick Foligno earlier in the Nets interesting to note that uh, Kakonen only has six decisions so far behind Cam Talbot who's kind of run away and hit with the goaltending role here I was surprised I'm surprised the way that split has turned out so far this season. Cochran had a very nice rookie season, but he's uh, taken a bit of a backward step. But uh, the news is very positive. Otherwise, this is the only fully healthy roster in the NHL right now. Well, the Montreal Canadiens are certainly not the league's healthiest roster. That's for sure. Um, they are missing guys every which way to Sunday. That You've got Tyler Toffoli out until probably the end of February. Josh Anderson is out until the end of January. You've got Jake Evans, who's been filling a top six role for them because of the other injuries. He's uh, a game-time decision. Yoel Armia, also a game-time decision. Dvorak is out. Paul Byron is out. Uh, Brendan Gallagher and Sammy Niku are just coming back from COVID protocols. And obviously, Carey Price has still been out to start the year. So, um, with that laundry list of, of injuries to significant players, it's not like they're missing a, you know, a bunch of depth guys here. Uh, it's not surprising to see they've lost seven in a row. Um, as far as 
know, Paul, I'll put the question to you after I, I give you my answer. For for my money, I think as soon as Carey Price says he's ready to go, he's got to be their starter right now. I mean, they're they're going to go with Caden Primo tonight. Um, I'm not really sure why they're not going with Montembeau. They are supposedly going to use Montembeau on this upcoming road trip. Uh, but obviously Jake Allen hasn't been playing well. So, they, they, you know, it makes sense that they're looking to somebody else. Um, but I'm just surprised that, uh, you know, it's Caden Primo. Uh, you know, I mentioned the seven-game winless streak. Uh, all of those losses can be laid at the, the feet of uh, Jake Allen. Now, certainly the offense has been bad enough. He's not getting any support. But his performances haven't been great during that stretch either. So, Paul, I think Price has to be – back in the nets the minute literally the second that he is ready to go uh what what would you say well i had i brought the question up off offline i wrote it up to you because i spoke to a couple of people that are closer to the team than either one of us and there's a real concern with how to manage him the rest of the season there there's a widely held belief that this season is a lost year for the canadians no surprise to any of us who can read the standings they're last in the league and a distant last in the in their own division too. So the playoffs are an absolute pipe dream. So that said, they have to be careful about their biggest and most important asset, uh, Carey Price. He's coming into the the fat end of his uh, cap uh, hit, uh, plus 10, $10 million plus over the next several seasons. And uh, they want to be really careful with their, their top asset here and may have to think but make a very difficult decision sooner than they contemplated with his future. Uh, it doesn't seem to fit right now with the fact that this team needs a major overhaul and, and he's eating up that kind of money on the salary. But in terms of getting him back on the ice, I don't want to see him. This is for his best interest. Uh, I assure you, uh, in my opinion, I don't think they should overplay him over the last half of the season, given the landscape in front of them. This is not a very talented team, and he could face a lot of rubber, and he might not really be in tip-top shape uh, to get in there as quickly as you might, you and others might like to see. So that's my two cents. I'd rather they really be patient with their best asset here and, and let him call the shots in terms of how much he really wants to play in the second half. Up next, the New Jersey Devils. This is a team that went 0-3 last week, and it's got an interesting look to it for me, AJ, because some of the offensive pieces are coming together. It's the defensive structure that's lacking, and you see that best when you consider Dougie Hamilton's numbers on the season. The offensive totals are there, but there's a big uh, there's a minus beside him on the plus-minus stats, and that's a telling statistic. When your first, first uh, line of defense is a minus player, despite the fact that he has – a high profile in this league and is one of the better offensive pieces there from the back end. In other news around this club, Nico Heischer is in COVID protocol. That's one of their signature offensive pieces. But uh, to counter that, I'm happy to see Andreas Johnson locked into a a second line left wing role. And he's cooking this year, AJ. He's got 19 points in 27 games, a career best pace for him. So good news for him and fans of him when he was his time in Toronto. Uh, Hughes and Mercer, that's a young, dynamic-looking one-two punch in, in the absence of Nico Heischer. Mercer's been a very pleasant surprise, thrust into a scoring role, and uh, he is uh, on the periphery of the scoring race among rookies in the NHL, but the, the Devils are happy to have him as a third credible option when you consider the scoring options they have at center ice in their mix. Jonathan Bernier is out with a hip injury. 
and they're looking at him for an early January return. That'll be good news to, to take some of the pressure off Mackenzie Blackwood, who's playing the lion's share of the games in net. And uh, I don't like to see a youngster in goal carrying such a heavy workload. So I think fans of the Devils should be counting the time till Bernier gets back. Another youngster that's turned it on this season, having a nice run, is Jesper Bratt. And he's a credible play in DFS for me, uh, having points in 10 of his last 12 outings. For the Predators, this is one of those teams that, uh, specifically for for DFS, that I I would keep an eye on. Um, They've got a number of players, six currently, in the COVID protocols, uh, and it's affecting the coaching staff. Their their assistant coach was gonna, uh, you know, sub in as as the head bench boss tonight in their game against Colorado, and now he's out too. Um, so this might be one to keep an eye on in terms of potential cancellations, uh, especially when you consider Nashville is scheduled to play three games in the next four days. Uh, that seems like a, a good opportunity to to spread. Um, you know, spread COVID if they're not uh, if they're not careful here. So um, keep an eye on that one. Obviously, you're going to want to pull those guys out uh, if they uh, you know pull them out of your DFS lineups if if they're not playing. In terms of the the guys that uh, are on the ice right now, UC Saros. You know, I I try and avoid making this a goaltender show, Paul. But uh, mm-hmm. right now, UC Saros, you've got to talk about him. Two wins, just two goals allowed, in in uh, this past week, you like told Vanen with two goals and two assists, uh, Trennan with two goals. So they're getting production out of some of their younger guys. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Ryan Johansson's been out on the COVID protocols for a few days. Mikael Granlin is another name that's out. Matthew Shane is dealing with an upper body injury. Um, so some of the bigger name guys are, are sidelined right now. And so they are asking, uh, you know, Tolvanen's on a top-line role with Luke Kunin and Philip Forsberg. Yakov Trenin's playing in the second line with Colton Sissons and Tanner Ginyat. Um, So, yeah, they're kind of shuffling things around. They've got a bunch of guys up from the minors to try and fill out the roster as well here. Fortunately for them, it hasn't significantly impacted the blue line. Ben Harper um is is out uh, on the COVID list but other than that you know the big names the Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm, Dante Fabro they're all still currently available for them uh, heading into tonight's matchup with Colorado. New York Islanders uh, are one and two in the past week but I'm starting to see signs that uh, they are turning things around AJ over their last four games defensively they got things in order that has a lot to do with the fact that one of their workhorses Adam Pellick is back on the blue line. Ryan Pollock's still out, could return around Christmas. That's going to help big time here as they get their defensive structure back in place and healthy. Noah Dobson's taken advantage of their absence, so to run up some nice offensive totals. He added to them with two goals and one helper last week. Captain Anders Lee had two goals last week. Oliver Wallstrom with four assists. Matthew Barzell starting to wake up a little bit too. So that's been a big part of the offense kind of turning around with some of their signature pieces uh, finally shaking out a bit, a bit of a slumber. And Brock Nelson is back too. So with Barzell and Nelson, they have their familiar one-two punch back at center there. And uh, in the Nets, though, there's a bit of a concern that, that will linger as long as uh, Semyon Varlamov still searching for his first win after only playing seven, seven games. That's left the bulk of the load to Ilya Sorokin. Uh, he's been a workhorse, very, very solid in the absence of support from his running mate there. But uh, until they get that goaltending thing sorted out with Varlamov, 
uh, any gains that they make on offense and defense will be negated by his inability to deliver a few W's. That's going to be key to their resurgence in the second half. For the other New York club, uh, the you know the biggest concern is Artemi Panarin picked up an injury last night. Now they did classify it. Uh, Garagalant last night classified it as a minor lower body injury, so that certainly could have him back sooner rather than later. Um, but obviously, his you know production this year has been pretty solid. I will say he is bogged down in a five-game goal drought. Three assists over that stretch, 11 shots, so decent, okay shot uh, production there for five games. So I, I would expect him to break through sooner rather than later, assuming he doesn't miss any game action. And, you know, from a Ranger fan perspective, uh, I'm you know, there's little things here and there you can nitpick at, but when you're getting the bulk of your production over the last week from uh, Kako with two goals, Zabinijat with three points, Fox with four assists, Kreider with three assists, like they're getting the production out of the names that you want to be producing. Uh, You have to feel pretty confident about where the Rangers are right now. But again, that Panarin injury will set them back, especially on the power play. You know, uh, Ottawa's up next for us, AJ. And when I was handicapping them at the beginning of the season, I thought this is a team that might surprise some some teams this year if the youngsters do develop. And that's starting to take place a little earlier than even five forecast. They added another two wins in their only two games last week. And a big part of their uh, success of late is starting to center around the goaltending situation. The tandem of Forsberg and Gustafsson giving them credible goaltending when Matt Murray failed miserably and others alongside him, they've settled on this tandem that that we didn't forecast at the beginning of the season, but they may have found something here. Forsberg's been steady and and taking kind of control over the net, but both of them are very capable of running with with the the situation. So it could be a win-in-your-in kind of deal, really, as they push one another. But uh, they really took off when Brady Tuchuk came back in the lineup. He's done nothing but be productive offensively and the ultimate team leader as the new captain of this club. He had chipped in with four goals last week, and his running mates, Norris and Batherson, producing four and seven points, respectively. And it hasn't hurt at all that Thomas Shabbat's playing his best offensive hockey over the last five games with eight points in total. Uh, Connor Brown's become a bit of a footnote here, even though he continues to chip in steady offense. He's the steady Eddie of this team, but he's got a lot of offensive dynamos around him. Even Tim Stutzla, we talked about his move to center a couple weeks ago, AJ. It's really working out for him. He's got six points in the middle of the ice on the second line in his last five over his last five games played. And a surprise contributor in this mix is Alex Formanton looking good as a surprise contributor from the left side on that second unit with five points in six games played for his own record. Another surprise uh, in the last week has been the play of the Philadelphia Flyers, who went 3-0. and um, They have uh, seemingly uh, turned things around a little bit under, under Mike Yo here. Um, and, and that, you know, Vegas, that's a hard team to beat. Um, Arizona... Easy team to beat, but they were playing them on the back half of a, of a back-to-back after beating Vegas, so I would call that a bit of like a trap game. Um, and then they had uh, the Devils, who can be good or bad, depending on the night, in, in my opinion. So um, decent wins in the stretch. You know, the production coming from uh, Cam Atkinson with three goals, James Van Riemsdyk with three Claude Giroux starting to chip in. He had three points uh, last week as well. So 
things seem to be turning around a little bit. Um, they're at least, uh, you know, showing up for games. I mean, you look at some of these games that they lost uh, in the lead up to, you know, Elaine Vigneault being fired. It's 5-7 to Colorado, 1-7 to Tampa Bay, 1-4 to the range. Like, it just doesn't seem like there was a lot of, you know, push to really try and compete in these games. And we, we've seen a different Flyers team, I think, the last uh, week or so here. AJ, at this point in every show, we take a break and uh, we'll tell our listeners that we'll be back right after uh, messages from our sponsors for the rema- analysis of the re- remaining teams in our award-winning DFS plays out of tonight's big schedule on Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Hang around, folks. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back. But uh, before we get back into the Pittsburgh Penguins, I know AJ's pretty excited about the way they're going. I have to get you, partner, to talk about Owner's Box to our listeners, please. Yeah, absolutely. If any of our listeners are looking for a new way to play fantasy sports, Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament, salary cap, and head-to-head live drafts. All new players will receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform and be sure to check out owner's box, new super flex salary cap game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a new strategic alternative to the traditional season long formats and daily fantasy games. The super flex salary cap format available only on owner's box removes the kicker and defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. With that super flex position as well, it gives the users the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPP tournaments for their unique one-week fantasy format. Play the Owner's Box salary cap contest for free, Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W, the number nine, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only salary cap contest. And now, AJ, I'm going to give you a bit of a break while I remind our listeners how to get in touch with us. And I'll tell a little story that happened over the last week. I've watched a lot of hockey, as you do, and uh, a couple of broadcasters caught my eye last week. One is Leah Hextall, the first female play-by-play announcer who's getting a regular run uh, in uh, in the States with a couple of teams out West. And uh, boy, AJ, I, have to, I hate to say it, but I have to pan her and her effort. I did it on Twitter, and I was part of a firestorm there. A lot of people jumped on board. The critique that I had was that she was so monotone and so dry with very little color and very little rapport with her uh, sidekick analyst. Now, I don't want it to sound like a sexist thing because here north of the border, we have a couple of outstanding people in in the hockey broadcast that work on Hockey Night in Canada, Canada, Jennifer Botterill and Carolyn Cameron, who are just fantastic in the intermission on Hockey Night in Canada. And, And they know their stuff and they're fluent, they're funny, they're entertaining and informative. They check all the boxes. But Leah Hextall is not it. And then the other guy that came in in for fire last week is Jack Edwards, the the guy that does the Boston broadcast. He's been a, there for years, and I have never seen such a blatant homer. And I, I took great delight in watching him call the game the other night when Vegas came into town and laid a beating on the Bruins. I wondered how he would sound, and he sounded just as I was what would have expected. He sounded like he was presiding over a funeral much of that podcast. So uh, again, mentioning that on Twitter, created some dialogue and that's what we like to do as well as answer your questions. So just to 
circle back to the message that we want to give at this point is we encourage you to send your comments or questions that you may have about fantasy hockey or even hockey in general. You can reach me at Statsman22 and you can reach AJ at AJScholes24. We'll be happy to share the questions that you might have on upcoming questions of our pod. And that, with that said, AJ, uh, mentioned very quickly the Pittsburgh Penguins coming off five straight wins. Tell me how they're doing it. You must be thrilled that Crosby's back in the, the fold. But uh, this kid, Rodriguez, is on fire for you guys. The Leafs had, a hand, had their hands on him for a little while, and I'm surprised that they let him go given how productive he's been. Yeah, so the, the interesting thing I, I read about uh, Evan Rodriguez of late is that uh, when he was with the Penguins last year, uh, like many players that play with Sidney Crosby, they try and get uh, they try and get the puck to Crosby. I mean, that's natural, right? That's what you would try and do. Um, but actually, Crosby came to him uh, recently and was like, "Dude, shoot the puck! Like <laughs> you've got a really good shot. Shoot the puck!" And so uh, I think that has led to his like emergence there um, to the. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen when the Penguins get fully healthy. Um, you obviously, Gensel is obviously going to come back and play with Crosby. But I think at this point, you have to consider leaving Evan Rodriguez there. Um, so then maybe you put Malcolm with Kasperi Kapanen and Brian Rust, potentially. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how these lines kind of shake out a little bit. But I do think... Evan Rodriguez has shown at least me enough. If I were the coach, he's shown me enough to earn an extended stint um, on that top line with Sidney Crosby. Even once they get back, some of these other guys, uh, you know, in the wingers in Seattle, it was a one, two and one week for them. Uh, Ryan Donato kind of leading the charge with two goals. Kelly Yarncrock, a goal and two assists. Jonas Donskoy with two assists as well. You know, in terms of, you know, the injury front, you have to look at the fact uh, that Philip Grubauer left after the second period last night. That's a big concern for them. Um, But I would say maybe not as big of a deal as some other teams around the league. Chris Dreger has looked pretty decent uh, in opportunities this year. He gave up one goal on six shots uh, in that game to Anaheim after after stepping in. Um, but when you look at his previous performances, you know, he's coming in a game cold partway through the second. Um, he was riding a three-game winning streak, had allowed just six goals on 104 shots over that stretch. So I, I think they'll be able to weather this storm a little bit um, if there's a, a long-term injury to, to Philip Grubauer here. In San Jose, the Sharks went one and two last week, and Thomas Hurdle uh, scored two goals and two assists. He's been the subject of some early trade rumors, and I wonder if the, the Sharks fade out of contention, if they would uh, consider listening to offers of one of their signature pieces that's been at the front of their offense for the last several years. Timo Myers, another guy that's factored into the top six regularly, chipped in with two assists. Leaf Kastoff, Barabanov, contributed two more assists. He's loving life in San Jose, becoming a contributor, regular contributor, making a case for top six minutes himself. In the Nets, another Leaf, uh, former Leaf, James Reimer has been very solid in the Nets. Look at the numbers, 199 goals against, 93.6 save percentage for just over $2 million this year. And next for the 33-year-old netminder, very happy for this guy. He just turned in his 400 career appearance, which is a milestone of sorts for goalies. 
uh, in other news around this club, another guy that I'm high on is a local guy, Mario Ferraro, is a defenseman that was scoring regularly at the beginning of the season and leading the league or one of the league leaders in blocks and, and hits. He's still doing a lot of the latter, but not so much of the former. No points in his last 10 games played. If you've got him in season-long play, play though, and the hits and block shots are an impact still, I'd say keep holding on to him because he's now playing alongside Brent Burns, and that, that could be great news as the, part of the top pairing there. If you predicted that in the last week Charlie Lindgren would go three and zero, you're full of it because I, I don't believe anybody <laughs> predicted that. Um, has looked great. I mean, to be perfectly honest, nine five five is the save percentage. One three three is the goals against average. Um, the the one other game they played four games last week. John Gillies got a look, had an overtime loss in that one. A, a decent performance by him. This team has been really banged up lately. I mean, they uh, similar to uh, what's going to happen in Carolina tonight, they've had to play a number of games without guys available or like a full complement of, of players. Um, and mostly do that, you know, Bozak was out for a while and Falk were on, on COVID protocols, but Robert Thomas, James Neal, David Perron, uh, Jake Wallman, Billy Huso, the backup netminder, um, have all dealt with injuries uh, that have sidelined them. So they've had to kind of go into the minor league system here, and it's worked out okay. Nathan Walker, four goals and one assist over the last week. Um, so, you know, they're kind of figuring that out. It'll be interesting to see how things shake up. And, Paul, I'll leave you with this. I, I know he's he's your buddy, but if if I'm coaching this team, I, I might consider not going back to Jordan Bennington when he's healthy here, you know, Charlie Lindgren has actually looked really good. Billy Huso was looking good before and before he got hurt, like Bennington's numbers weren't great. You're, you're talking uh, in his last 10 games before, uh, or COVID protocols, he didn't get hurt. I should clarify, but in his last 10 games before that three, four and three, 2.96 was the goals against average. Um, nothing less than two goals allowed in, in a game. And I really, Lindgren's looked a lot better. Um, I'm not saying he's the answer for the rest of the season, but at least at the onset here, I just don't see how you go immediately back to Bennington. Well, that's his. That's Jordan's challenge, AJ. But I think uh, knowing a little bit about his makeup, he's really strong mentally. And I, I know he's going to use this time off and he sees what Lindgren has done as motivation for him. This guy's a Stanley Cup champion. Don't forget, he knows what it takes to go all the way and how to play well in this league on a consistent basis. He's not a flash in the pan. He's going to be in, in the in the mix for Canada's Olympic goaltending situation too. That's how good he he is, not just in my eyes, in the eyes of a lot of people around the league. So I think Lindgren's been a very nice story, but uh, let's see a little more uh, repeat performances from him before we go too far in anointing him as the next guy and uh, dismissing Bennington. I think Jordy, Jordan Bennington is still their, their go-to guy and that's an he's paid, being paid handsomely to be that guy too. So uh, it's a nice problem to have for St. Louis. Let's, let's put it that way. We've already highlighted a couple of situations where goaltending has not worked out well for other teams. It's, it's an asset for St. Louis as well as the veteran makeup of their core. Uh, in Tampa, boy, boy, this team – 
I have to say, despite the fact they went 2-1, and one, they are looking scary again. Andre Vasileski continues to do what he does. Two more wins in his two starts, a total of five goals against. Andre Palat with three points. They find, find money in Taylor Radish. He's been a regular point producer despite not being a part of the mix at the beginning of the season. He's now solidly entrenched in their top six, chipped in with two goals and one helper last week. Steven Stankos putting uh, any injury news that he's dealt with over the last year and a half in the back, on the back burner with another five points this week. Alex Killorn, his uh, lesser-known running mate, two more assists. Ross Colton and Matthew Joseph have to get a tip of the hat, too, in this corner. They moved up to second-line roles in place of fellows named Point and Kucherov, and I thought this is where the trouble begins. But look at what they've done. They've performed well at both ends of the ice. Colton with six points in his last eight games. Joseph with three points in his last five. Credible offensive production for guys that are not normally the top six guys. And uh, they'll be better for the experience when the, their more notable side uh, partners get back in the lineup, giving more depth to this team. And it doesn't help hurt that Sorelli's uh, back from the injury list too. And he hopes to resume the hot streak that he had as the right winger on that top unit that was, that's been on fire for some time in Tampa. Well, before I let you roll with uh, what's been happening in Toronto, we're, we're on our off uh, off team weeks. Uh, so I, I just want to point out, you know, kind of exactly what I suggested was going to play out here. Uh, Jason Spezza has already missed four games uh, with, with two more just around the corner here and, and no clear indication of when or if that appeal hearing, you know, it'll be, it would have been another game tonight um, against Calgary, uh, but that game unfortunately has been postponed. So it was Saturday and Sunday, like unless they're having the hearing, the appeal now, or they're doing it Friday and in like, Bettman is almost impossibly not going to overturn this. Like he might, but even if he, like, if he doesn't, then the arbitrator to go to an arbitrator is not going to happen before this weekend. So again, this is kind of what I, I said was going to happen to just count him as out for the six games. And, and really it's more about uh, kind of the, the backside of it for, for everything there. You know what, AJ, uh, I'm a little closer to the situation in Toronto. The hearing was actually held on Tuesday. No outcome has been released in terms of any decision from Batman, but I have to think that it's a bit of a bad look when you consider that Pionk is back in the lineup already for Winnipeg, and, and he's also served a two-game suspension that was meaningless. He would probably have missed those games because of the legitimacy of a, an injury there. It wasn't a serious one, though, and yet the six games were levied against Spezza. When local media has compared this to a number of other fouls that were not punished nearly as severely, and for a guy who has his record of 1,200 games in the league, never been in trouble, and a solid citizen, I think he got hammered here, and it's uh, it's a it's an opportunity for people who don't like Gary Bettman to say he really has it in for Canadian-based teams, and I'm not one of those people that says it, but I know a lot of people that feel that way. This is just another instance. In any case, what else is happening on the ice around this club? They went 2-1 and one last week, and they really delivered a signature win in Edmonton, which kind of has become their home away from home, AJ. A stat that not a lot of people know, but the Leafs are now 9-1 in their last 10 visits to Edmonton, and uh, 
the dominance that this club has against Connor McDavid and company is something to behold. The way they they waxed this team, they took them to the woodshed and beat them, and it and it must have hurt even more when Austin Matthews chips in for two of the goals in the game too. And look at all of a sudden he's three goals behind Drysidle for the scoring leadership of the league. Is there anybody that doesn't think he's going to make that ground up over the next fifty five games? I don't think so. And uh, in his shadow, though, uh, Willie Nylander and John Tavares having outstanding years. They're chipping in lots of points, five each again last week. But Andre Kasha is another guy that's been tr- thrust into a top six role alongside Matthews and bunting on that top line. And he's delivered everything they could ask for. Uh, cheap add-on in terms of the free agent signing that, that he was at the beginning of the season. Two goals and three assists to his ledger. This guy has a nose for the net, and he's fearless, and he's showing that. Uh, every shift out there, he's giving everything he's got. On the blue line, they're seeing the development of Timothy Lilligren. He chipped in with a couple of assists with a little more ice time. And Morgan Riley, who must be feeling like the king of the world after the extension that he signed, is just playing the best hockey of his life right now at both ends of the rink in all the heavy lever minutes. Outstanding play from him, and he's got four points to his resume, and he is a lock to make Team Canada's defense. I don't think there's any question about that going forward. And uh, up next, AJ, the Vancouver Canucks. Five straight wins for the Van City Club. Bruce Boudreau coming to town, and he's coming in hot as their new coach. And uh, things couldn't be happier for, for the fans of that base that uh, struggled through most of the season. They're getting outstanding goaltending from Thatcher Denko with two wins and four, four goals against in those two victories. But it's their offense that's coming in gear. And the best news of all is Elias Pettersson is starting to wake up with two goals. Uh, Nils Hoaglander chipping in with two goals. These are two guys that are highlight reels waiting to happen. Bo Horvat shaken out of a, a long scoring slump with two goals and two assists. Quinn Hughes, ditto for him, four assists on the back end, looking again like one of the more dangerous offensive defensemen in the league. Tyler Myers chipping in with three helpers. It wasn't so long ago that this guy was a 40-point guy. He hasn't looked like it for the last couple of years, but he did look like it again last week, and that's great news for Vancouver. J.T. Miller has been outstanding in the absence of uh, performance from Horvat and Pedersen. He added three more goals to his totals this season. And Connor Garland, who has to be, I think he's got to be secretly, Bruce Boudreaux's favorite player. He's just playing all out. Uh, uh, he's just given it everything he's got. He's one of those guys you love to play on your team, but hate to play against in the mold of uh, Zach Cassian, uh, Zach Hyman rather, and uh, the fellow in Montreal, Brendan Gallagher. These guys are guys that are birds in the saddle, but Connor Garland's another one, and he's putting the puck in. Uh, good places with great regularity once again. So good news all around for Vancouver. And I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday night when they face the Maple Leafs. Should be a good one. Well, in the desert, good golly, Max Pacioretty. I mean, <laughs> holy moly. Since he's been back from injuries, played in nine games. He's got 10 goals plus another six helpers. Five of those points come in with the power play. Um, and even if you take the first two games of the year, um, that he did play in, he put up three points in the, the season opener. So really, he's only failed to get on the score sheet in one game this year. Um, and more often than not, looking at you know his production, more often than not, they've been multi-point games. Uh, so yeah, getting Mass Patch already back has been huge for them. Uh, and, and you know it's you know uh, 
he's tearing everybody along with him. You know, Mark Stone, six points in the last three games. Chandler Stephenson in his last two games has seven helpers, seven helpers in two games. Like, it's just insane. Um, you know, Alex Petrangelo, four points there as well. Uh, and really, they they are putting it all together right now. Uh, it will be interesting to see how they might uh, shuffle the deck here if they get back or when they get back, either Nolan Patrick or Jack Eichel. Um, but certainly right now, it doesn't seem like you need to replace Chandler Stephenson from that top line. But, you know, how do you not put Eichel there? So I, it, it, we'll see what happens. Um, but this is a, a team that is heating up and doing everything they can to, you know, make sure I have to eat crow at the end of the year for saying they weren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, but you're looking good for a while there, Sue. So that means you had me looking at you with a spocky and eyebrow until now, man. But uh, uh, like you said, I think that the Vegas team is is going to be one that we'll watch in the second half, one of the better teams uh, on paper. And it'll be interesting to see how Eichel fits in. Um, the last club I get to look at is another club that is one of the top teams in the league in the last few years. And they're looking like it again in Washington, even though they only went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week. Nick Baxter returned to the fold. Didn't miss a beat. He looked great on the power play the other night. That clicked for another couple of goals. Lars Eller has been a great uh, support for the center position here as a third-line guy. He moves up in the absence of the, the two got name guys there that we're used to seeing. Picked up three goals and one assist last week. The machine that's out called Alex Ovechkin picked up five more points and last night tied the all-time record for most power play goals by a man in his career with his 274th. A TJ Oshie comes back to the lineup and uh, chips in with three assists. So the big names are, are firing. Connor Sheary, a guy that you know a lot, a lot about, has jumped over to the other side from where you're concerned, chipped in with four more points to this team. On the downside, though, they uh, they get one center back and they lose their other signature guy, Genny Kuznetsov, now in COVID protocol. And to compound that, Tom Wilson has missed the last two games so far with an upper body injury. There's not much more that I know about that, AJ. And then in the Nets, I can report that Samsonov has started 10 of the last 13 games in goal. Another bit of a skew in the goaltending mix that I didn't foresee. Vita Vanasek, uh, who was a hero for these guys last season, has kind of become a bit of an afterthought with Samsonov running with uh, his success of late. Uh, another guy to watch here, uh, I know Oshi returned last week, but they're bolstering their right side uh, with Daniel Sprong getting more minutes on a scoring line situation. It remains to be seen if he makes the best uh, of, of the trial that, that he's giving here, but it's a real good opportunity to play with some of their signature players. So that's a player to watch going forward. The big news out of Winnipeg uh, has to obviously be the injury to Blake Wheeler that they're talking, you know, weeks, not days in terms of his knee injury um, has not been put on IR yet. Um, but I would certainly expect that to happen here at some point, given that that timeline. And they've shuffled the deck pretty significantly in light of that. Um, they're going to move, at least initially, they're going to move Paul Stastny all the way up to the first line on the wing, playing with Mark Shifley and then Nikolai Ehlers. And it'll be Kyle Connor with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Evgeny Svechnikov, not to be confused with uh, Carolina Svechnikov. Um, they are going to give that a try. I, I just have never been sold with their utilization of Paul Stastny as a winger. 
I mean, we've talked about this probably at nauseum to, you know, some of our, our listeners here, but, you know, Stastny in his last seven games, no goals, three assists, um, 14 shots on goal, which you'd like to be a little bit higher there. Um, I, I just don't love it. And, and I think they would be better off having him as, as a third line center. If they're looking for something, I don't, I don't know what sort of, assets they have in their their minor program but they definitely in my opinion need to go out and get some wings heading into the the trade deadline here get some better options so that they can have Paul Stastny anchoring a good third line rather than playing with you know depth guys on a third line or having to play the wing you know what AJ I'm going to agree with you in spades there from the get-go I thought this the acquisition of Stastny would be one where they really solidify a third scoring unit with him at center he'd been a center most of his career until this point and has really kind of struggled whenever he's been foot put on the wing except for a couple of brief flashes where he's been in fits and starts in the score sheet but with not with any regularity I'd like to see him back at center and see other teams having to face a three-headed monster, the likes of which I don't see when I look around the NHL landscape. It's a luxury they, they ref, refuse to put in place. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And uh, maybe now's the time to, that they should rethink that situation. In any case, that concludes a very busy look at uh, 32 teams and the impact of COVID on the rosters. We really thought that it was time to look at a roster reset for the clubs as a real focus for today's show. And uh, now we'll switch gears into the other portion of our show, which is a regular contribution that we make to try and get you, you, our listeners, to win money in the daily fantasy sports space on FanDuel and DraftKings. So without further delay, I'm curious to see what AJ has in store on DraftKings for his play tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Paul, I'm I'm uh, generally a little more shy about uh, touting uh, touting wins uh, on on social media, um, just because you know when when I put a dollar lineup in and I win a buck fifty, uh, you know, it's not it's not tipping the scales uh, too much. But last night, I did have a dollar lineup uh, bring home twenty bucks. Nice. So, gotta gotta like that. Took uh, took twenty. Uh, 22nd, I believe, in uh, DraftKings main, uh, their, their hip check, their main $1 GPP there. So we'll, we'll see if we can do that again tonight. I'm going to start by looking to Steven Stamkos, who uh, we've talked about on this show on DraftKings, his recent run of form and, and how good he's looking. You know, you mentioned Ottawa looks better. And I, and I agree, but I think this is an angry, angry Tampa Bay team that just got embarrassed uh, last week by Ottawa to the tune of a 4 nothing loss. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this offense is going to be motivated to go out there and really put a licking on the Senators tonight. And I think that will mostly have to come or at least be driven by Steven Stamkos here. For my other center, I'm going to look at Chandler Stephenson. Look, on DraftKings, uh, I'd be interested, Paul, if you're using him to know what his salary is on FanDuel. $6,500 on uh, FanDuel. So, yeah, that's a huge discrepancy. You're talking about 3900 on DraftKings, and it's almost just begging you to use him tonight. They're playing New Jersey, who's been leaking goals their last several games. And at that 3900 price tag, you can easily fit him in alongside match packs already for 8,800 and Mark Stone, who's a, a pretty conservative 5,500 as well. So you get that whole first line 
without really having to break the bank. Pacioretty is is the big uh, hit there. But, I mean, you look at his fantasy points per game this season, it's 24.9 on DraftKings. Like, it's insane. Um, you know, you I think you got to try and do your best to get him in. You mentioned Connor Garland. I like him going up against San Jose tonight. He comes in at just 4,400, uh, rounds out my, my wing positions. Uh, I, for the utility spot, I'm going to look at James Van Riemsdyk at 3,300 tonight. A cheap option. The Flyers are going into Montreal. We talked about how bad um, Montreal has been this season, and, and they are really, really struggling. I think this is a good chance to maybe capitalize on some of these Flyers guys, uh, including Van Riemsdyk, who, uh, you know, plays on what's a third line, but he also is on the top power play unit. Uh, he's got four points in his last three games, so he's on a heater right now. Uh, defensively, I'm going to go to a pair of Carolina guys. A little unique to use both guys here, but Tony D'Angelo and Brett Pesci are supposed to be back from COVID protocols tonight. They'll be playing at home against Detroit. We talked about the lack of, of guys that, that Carolina is going to be able to ice, and I think it's going to mean more ice time really for everybody, but especially I think they might turn to the blue liners a little bit because, you know, forwards aren't necessarily, especially some of these younger guys that they're bringing in, maybe not used to playing heavy, heavy minutes like they're going to be expected to tonight. So maybe they'll put, uh, you know, Pesci and D'Angelo out in in more unique situations. So I I like both of them tonight. D'Angelo, 5,900. He'll anchor the number one power play unit, which I think can still produce – with Trocek and Niederreiter and Teravainen. Uh, and then Pesci should be with the second group there, and he comes in at just 2900 so pretty cheap. Um, we'll see if it pans out using two guys from the same team. I, I don't normally do it when it comes to defensemen here. Uh, between the nets, I think you got to look at Carter Hart just because he's 7800 tonight. He's super cheap. Again, Philadelphia, three-game winning streak. Montreal, seven-game losing streak. Like, it's it's just destined for him to, you know, pick up a win tonight, which, of course, means the Flyers will do me dirty and lose tonight. But, um, it, you know, the, the fantasy strategy is sound, aside from the fact that they always like to lose whenever I use them, and then they win when I don't, so. AJ, I love the look of your lineup and the sound of it because I have – three or four of the same players in my group. No surprise to you that I, I too, included the LA, the Las Vegas trio. We talked about that on our hit with DraftKings earlier today, and Pete Jensen of NHL.com was the third member of our panel who agreed with us. So I think uh, that said, I had to put the, those three guys in, and it's a very different look in terms of the price point for these players. Refer to the ones that you have when you hear these. Chandler Stevenson, $6,500 for me. Max yep, yeah, he's uh, 3900 uh, $3, on DraftKings. And then Matt Pacioretty, $10,600. 8800 And then um, Mark Stone, $8,000. So $55 on, on DraftKings. So it sounds like you got a better deal. I think I'm going to shop at DraftKings to get the cheaper <laughs> values going forward. FanDuel is uh, costing me a little bit more money, but I have to get these guys in there. You mentioned that the, this is the hottest line in hockey right now, and, and I concur. So uh, have, having to really wedge in uh, several of other players to make it work, and uh, this is what I came up with, AJ, in addition to those guys. I put Vinny Trocek in for Carolina, 
uh, at $5,100. He's going to anchor their top scoring line. So I thought that's a really good value play for me, considering Carolina's a good team. They will be shorthanded. He'll get a lot more extra ice time, and they'll be facing a Detroit team that's not scaring anybody these days. Then I add... Uh, to round out my forward compliment, I mentioned Nils Hoaglander starting to look like a highlight reel again for Vancouver. The, Canuc- the Canucks are jumping, and I think they're going to be all over the Sharks tonight. And he's at a great value from, for my money at $4,200, a first-line winger. And another guy who's a first-line winger for $5,400, again, going back to that Carolina game I'm counting on, everybody playing a lot more than usual, and that's Martin Netscash. So that's my forward compliment. In the Nets, I had to get creative. Like In defense, I mean, I had to get creative like you and look for value out there. Ethan Bear looks like he's going to be getting a lot of reps on the blue line for Carolina tonight and only $3,600. I think like you, he might even take a few turns at forward to get some of the forward uh, arrest because that's where they're really thin. So it could be an extra bit of value coming his way. And then Rasmus Ristolainen, I had to take a piece of the Philadelphia Flyers, no matter how small it would be. I want a piece of that action because I think the Flyers come in hot and Montreal just looking awful so far uh, this season and uh, on a seven-game winless streak right now. So they should be easy pickings for the Flyers. I like, love your call on Connor Hart, Carter Hart. rather. I went with Thatcher Denko, who has a pretty good win probability as well, I think, for Vancouver in San Jose. He costs only $7,500, the cheapest of the projected starters that uh, is known at this point on FanDuel for my money. So uh, kind of a a similar makeup with the Las Vegas clubs. I'm going to take a look at your lineup again, AJ, when we go off the air, and I'm going to plug it in to FanDuel as well and see how how much it costs if I can play it tonight. Uh, I want to ride the hot hand and uh, congratulate you (laughs) for a great win last night. Any uh, other thoughts from you, partner, before we sign off for week nine? No, it just, you know, it'd be nice if we could, uh, you know, get past uh, all these, all these players, Ending up on on the COVID list right now, it's um, you know I, I I don't want more games canceled, but at the same time, like you know maybe we do need to think about just kind of shutting things down for a week here, um, letting everybody get back to a hundred percent and uh, and go from there. But at the same time, you know I I want to see the games. I, I want hockey to be played and enjoy it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a tough balance. I'm sure the league is weighing all their options with cancellations versus a a hard shutdown for a little bit, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens and, you know, hopefully we can get past this sooner rather than later. Thank goodness, AJ. And I'll be blunt. There's been no casualties, no ultimate casualties here in the NHL. Uh, The variant is there, but uh, by all accounts, it's not as strong as, as the initial, uh, virus so that you can take a little bit of a positive from it i guess if you're looking for a win somewhere but uh, i like you think that the nhl has to be very careful about soldiering on here they do have the luxury of a three-week gap as i said in february so maybe they do push things back a little bit and punt on the olympics uh, decisions like that should be coming out in the next week or two we'll be all over it on the podcast and make it a part of our, our episodes going forward and uh It's a tough way to wrap up uh, here, but uh, we both look forward to reporting on lots of games a week from now, and I hope that's the case. So we'll wrap it up. That's our look around the league this week, and thank you for listening to Rotowire Signature Fantasy Hockey Pod. We also thank our sponsors at Owner's Box. Check them out. You'll be glad you did. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. 
And again, we invite you to listen into Thupcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.